Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Drivers! Start your engines! Because you hit any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect. When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. You see him? He talks to me. Hey, race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we go over last week in racing and preview the coming week. Joining me in the studio tonight is Mr. Seth Eggert, Mr. Gray Warren, and Mr. Richard Uden. Fellas, how we doing tonight? Doing good. Doing great. Good, thank you. All right, and we have a uh, returning guest, uh, one of my one of my favorite guests, one of our, you know, our best shows from last year. Um, I, I've got the multi-layered individual, philosopher, author, uh, race fan, martial arts instructor, Christopher Hinchcliffe joining us tonight. Christopher, how are you, buddy? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, thanks very much for having me back. Oh man, you know, again, like I said, um, you're you're show last year was it was actually our highest rated program of the year so we're, we're happy to have you back and uh, again just to fill our listeners in uh, Christopher is the author of the book Chasing Checkers and the sequel Chasing Checkers Acceleration and there's a third book on the way maybe a fourth and fifth uh, uh, coming up we'll never know um, well, we'll just have to see how that plays out um, Christopher has a brother uh, James who races in the NTT IndyCar series and uh, Christopher, you've been pretty busy lately. Um, you've been uh, your, your month of May. You were doing these library talks um, about your book, and I had the uh, pleasure of uh, going to one of these up in Frankfurt, which is a little north of Indianapolis. Um, and it was a very interesting talk. Very kind of a varied group of folks there. We had uh, young folks, older folks. We had race fans. We had book fans, and we had folks that were um, just patrons of the library there to uh, support the events there. So I just want to um, kind of have you talk about how that whole uh, your little book tour has gone, some uh, interesting stories from there, and uh, because I had a great time there. Yeah, well, listen, I mean, uh, th- thanks very much for making uh, making the trip up to Frankfurt for that one. Um they uh, it it started last uh, last year last May. I mean, I've been going down for uh, most of May the last few years anyway. Um, and last year uh, it was it was at Frankfurt. Uh, they were doing a they were doing a, a a whole big event around the 500 every year in May. They I guess the library has like a theme for for a big series of events that they do, and uh, and they were doing one on uh, on the 500. So they invite they invited they reached out to me and invited me to come and speak as part of a uh, a, a bigger event they were hosting. And, uh, and so I was thinking, okay, great. I'm going to be down there. Why not talk about the book, meet some, meet some cool folks. And, uh, and so once that one sort of started, I thought, okay, well, I asked her, uh, the lady who contacted me, uh, I said, you know, are there any other libraries that you think might be interested, you know, in this kind of thing while I'm down there, you know, being the month of May. And, uh, and so she helped me, uh, line up a few other ones. I mean, honestly, you know, touring around doing, doing the, 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 the book talk circuit thing is, is, was never like a major priority for me, um, uh, until I got this first, uh, this first email, but I had such a blast last year. Uh, I reached out to everyone this year. 
because uh, of course in the in the time between I did the talks last year and this year the second book had come out so I didn't get a chance to talk about it uh, when I did the talks last year and uh, so yeah so I had a great time it's uh, I went to about four or five different libraries and like you say it's always an, it's a fascinating group of people and uh, you know the, the the best part about it is you know I go I give this talk I talk about what the books are about I talk about why I wrote them what they mean to me um, but then I always talk to the people afterwards and, you know, I get these great stories. I mean, I feel like everyone who lives in that city has a great story about the 500, right? Cause it's just so much in their blood. And I met this one lady who was, I mean, she must've been in her mid nineties and she was telling me this story about how her uncle, you know, took her, uh, uh, to her first Indy 500 when she was, you know, 11 years old and he had been going since it started, since its inception kind of thing. And so for her, it was just, it was really just in, in the, in the family history. And it was just so cool talking to her about it and seeing her tear up, just, just remembering her uncle and the family connection to the race. Oh, that's pretty neat. Yeah. So now are you, are you doing these in other cities as well? Cause I know you've got, uh, uh, a Grand Prix there in Toronto in your home city uh, that you uh, that, that you always attend. So uh, have you like uh, done any of these library talks uh, in um, in that area or anywhere else? Do you know, I haven't done the library talks. I've done a few school visits. Right. So um, so I, I've been to some some some, you know, middle schools, high schools in the area. Uh, work with the kids there a little bit, a little bit of like writing workshop kind of stuff, talking about the books, that sort of thing. Um, I haven't really reached out to the uh, to the libraries to organize anything, partly because, you know, the week of the of the Toronto race is actually pretty, and at least historically, it's been a pretty busy one for my family already because we often have lots of people coming in, uh, uh, you know, family from out of town, that kind of thing, and so the race weekend itself is such a big like logistical thing to plan that I, I, I rarely think, okay, what can I add to my plate? Um, so it's not something I've done in the past. I think, I mean, I think it's, uh, maybe I'm missing something there and I should make an effort to do it. But, uh, like I said, the first, the first library talk kind of fell into my lap. So, um, so I just, I just sort of took advantage of it. And, you know, when I'm down there in May, I'm busy on the weekends, just going to the track, but that's, that's no organizational feat for me. So, uh, uh, so during the week, I'm just kind of hanging out. So it was it was really easy to fit in, fit in back then. So, but uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe maybe I'll see see what I can do this year. Okay, so let me let me ask you this: since you said you've done some talks at schools, because we've had we've had a couple of discussions on the show about how how auto racing doesn't necessarily connect with the younger generation like it did you know, say 20, 30, 40 years ago. Um, do you find that uh, you've got some young folks that are uh, very interested in racing or, or is it some of it all new to them when, when you start uh, talking about uh, talking about Teddy and, and, the, and the racing? Well, when I get in front of a big group, you know, you, you'll maybe have the one, the one kid who's in a racing family, like a racing fan family who knows a bit about Formula One, knows a bit about IndyCar. Um, and maybe you'll, you know, maybe you'll get a kid who's tried go-karting. Most of them have been go-karting at like, you know, public track kind of thing. Um, but you know, maybe you'll meet one like that, but in general, no, I mean, it's, 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 it's not that common, um, uh, uh, to, to, to meet, you know, at any significant number of, of, of kids, at least that, I mean, the age that I meet with, um, that are really into, uh, racing as a sport that follow it. Uh, and I mean, I know it's something, it's something that I, you know, that I talk about in my, in the talks that I give at the library. So sort of, you know, asking the question why, um, and it's, you know, thinking about, thinking about that answer, um, is, uh, uh, is part of what motivates me to keep going with the books. Cause you know, one, one thought is that, uh, it's a little bit harder to connect with the drivers as personalities because you know they're protected by you know they're 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 separated from the from the fans by all this uh, uh, safety equipment and machinery and technology you know as compared with a basketball player who you know whose face you see during the game whose personality you see on the court right um, it's a uh, it's it's a little different that way so I try to pitch the books to to a general audience as a way to, you know, get an interesting story, but a particularly, 
you know, special kind of athlete. And a lot of the kids love that, right? A lot of the kids really, really glom onto that. You know, I, I, I like, I like describing these guys as superheroes in a way because of the, not just, not just the, the talent and the, and the hard work and the effort of what they're, they're achieving or that goes into what they're achieving, but the risks that they take as compared with any other sport. Uh, and I find that the kids tend to connect with that. Whether they go on to become race fans afterwards, I I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't get a lot of follow up, but uh, uh, it's something that it's something that 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 crosses my mind too. Yeah, absolutely. So um, now I want to throw a question to you, uh, and it's the same question I threw to you at the um, at the library talk in Frankfurt because I I really liked your answer, but uh, the um, you know the first book. Um, chasing checkers was really heavy on uh, the racing action and the the second book acceleration uh, had a lot of racing action as well but there was a whole lot more of the 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 teenage angst and and human drama and just the uh interaction with teddy and his friends and uh if you recall i asked you which which of those do you find comes easier uh to you to go ahead and write yeah yeah. Okay. Hold on. I, I, I mean, I can answer the question. I want to. I want to see if I can give you the answer you remember. Oh, as well. uh, you know, you don't, it doesn't, like, <laughs> doesn't have to be the same one. But I, I just, I thought you answered it brilliantly at the library. So, uh, well, I but, mean, but you go right ahead. Oh, oh. I mean, all I can do is give you the truth and hope that the truth didn't change somewhere in the last uh, few weeks. But uh, no, I mean the. You know, I mean, to break to break it apart, I mean, in terms of like what's easier to write, I think one one of the one of the 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 things about races is that, you know, at the end of the day, there's really only a handful of like archetypes if if you want to use a you know a fancy word for it. it you know, in in terms of how a race goes, right? You get the races where you got a couple cars that are just like, you know, for whatever reason, they're 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 making the numbers better than anyone else, and they're staying out front. You get the races where there's a couple of accidents that shake everything up, and and people are fighting all the way. You get the races where there's pit stop strategy is what is what makes it. Um, you know, so and and so in a way, it's like writing the races themselves. It's kind of it's 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 a little bit more straightforward. I'm like, okay, so to fit the story that I'm trying to tell, what kind of race? is going to is going to you know plug into where the story is with the characters outside of the the racetrack right so writing the races can be easier in that sense cuz a lot of them like the what the development in the race is sort of you know it's it's there's only so many realistic things you can put happening on a racetrack a lot of them are really fantastic and you know exciting and that's what i try to draw in um but you know you're never going to have like and then an alien landed on the track and you know, <laughs> that's that's never going to happen um, Don't have Liberty uh, Media that they may get an idea. Well, there you go. Actually, I mean, it's just, yeah, <laughs> just, I'm I'm missing a trick here. There's a, there's totally a crossover genre that's waiting for that. Exactly. Um, It'll be Vettel's fault though, you know. So. Of course it will. Of course it will. <laughs> uh, I don't. What is the penalty for uh, for you well, landing on yeah. a racing line? I don't know. It depends how far Hamilton's behind, doesn't it? I guess that's right. That's right. Sorry, I derailed uh, your answer there totally. Sorry. No, no, it's fine. Uh, but <laughs> you the, guys, uh... Richard, you're terrible. We've got time in the show for that later. I just wanted to get it in in case we run out of time, you know. Just to... <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I got you. <laughs> um, but, the, uh, uh, but, you know, the emotional stuff, which again, like to me... I, I try to as as much as racing is 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 at the core of the books. The heart of the books is really going to be you know the emotional whatever travails of the of the characters, and in a way those are harder to write because they force me to draw on my own personal experiences. Um, you know, either as just being a teenager and going through the normal teenager stuff, right, and then just sort of plugging in the racing side of it. Um, and so in a way, in a way it's a little bit more emotionally kind of, it's got, you know, laborious, um, than writing out the racing scenes, which are just kind of pure fun for me. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, especially after the first book, which, which drew very heavily on anecdotes <coughs> from James's life. And so from my memory, um, you know, the further I've gotten away from the first book and the story's taken on a life of its own, um, now I've got these characters that are a little more fully developed. And, uh, and so the situations I'm putting them in, I can't just say, okay, well, this happened to James and here's how it happened, right? I have to actually 
put the characters into place into a situation with how they've developed over the course of the the book so far and try and figure out how they would react that's true to who they they've become um so you know it's it's a it's it's still a very rewarding kind of writing to do it's it's you know it's a little bit more creative in 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 a way um but it's definitely harder work now before you started writing the chasing checkers books right you were uh, you were an academic you you know you uh you taught philosophy you taught uh, canadian constitutional law have you always had an inkling um inside you for creative writing from yeah. a young, young age, or is that something that you've kind of uh, stumbled onto later? You know, it's funny. I think uh, you know. I I I think I, I I talked about this a little bit again over you know over the talks in May, and one of the things I've come to realize even since then is I I'm starting to wonder whether going into academia was um, uh, a mistake. That what I actually wanted to do the whole time was to write fiction. Um, I, I even, I, 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 I've looked back, I recently moved houses. And so I had the opportunity, uh, to go through boxes that I've, you know, held onto for, for, you know, decades now. And I, and I have gone and found like journals and stuff where I've got a hundred first chapters of, of books. I, you know, started to write when I was in high school and then completely forgot about. Um, so I, I think it's fair to say that it's always something I've wanted to do. And, uh, and maybe part of the, maybe part of the reason I lucky land casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky, lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha. In my dentist's office more than once. Actually, do I have to say, yes, you do in the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me. What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Spring training is right around the corner. So come for the games and have a ball in Arizona. With world-class resorts, unbeatable dining and nightlife, amazing scenery, and endless outdoor adventure. Make your visit unforgettable. Plan your getaway at myspringtraining.com. Left uh, uh, academia was because I was held to these rigid uh, rules of your your arguments have to follow and be logical and uh, and, and and stuff like that. So uh, so may, maybe maybe this is actually nature taking its course. I don't know. All right, now, uh, Seth, uh, Seth has a question for you, so I want to bring Seth into conversation. Seth, what do, you, what do you have for Christopher? Well, mine isn't actually about the books this year. Uh, once again, uh, your brother, James, he was in the bottom uh, for qualifying at the Indy 500. I'm just curious, what was your uh, stress level like watching him uh, almost fail to make the Indy 500 again? That weekend was, uh, I mean, that was pretty hellish. Um, I mean, you know, it's, 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 it, it's bad enough when, you know, he's, he, he fails to make it into qualifying, but I mean, the, to be honest, the, the drama of him, whether he was going to make it in or not on that first day, right. Make it into the top 30, uh, in a way it was just completely overshadowed by his accident. Right. Because, you know, when James crashes on that track, it's it's hard not to have memories flashing up. And that was the first time that I was actually at a well, certainly at a speedway at a super speedway like that um, when he'd had an accident. And, you know, I've seen him crash 100 times on TV and it rarely phases me. But to be at the track, to be at that track, you know, to know the speeds these guys are going to think back to 2015 and then just to like to see there to see how long it took for them to get him out of the car, um, you know I'm like you know because the way it works is you know we follow the cars like so those of us who are who are with James we like walk with the car as it moves up the line, and then as soon as as soon as James takes off to do his run, we hop on a golf cart and we run back to the uh, to the to the the crew stand. Um, to watch the results. So, you know, he's halfway through his run by the time we even get back and see what's going on. And of course, by that point, he crashed. So I'm, I'm driving back to the pit stop or to the, uh, the pit box with um, everyone. I and mean, suddenly everyone in the stadium gasps, right? And I'm looking up at the screen and my heart's just stopping. 
and you know, and and I'm there with with his fiance Becky, and you know, she's like losing her mind, and 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 we're all trying to console her, and she can't even look at the screen, so. You know, and then I had to go to the med center. And of course, he was totally fine, right? It was, you know, like most crashes, you know, thankfully in, in IndyCar, everything worked out fine health wise. But then, you know, so he, the fact that he then went out again and even tried to qualify that day, like, I mean, I was, I was so, I was so exhausted from the, the, the 10 second uh, uh, drama of him, of his accident that whether he made it or not that day kind of didn't matter anymore. I was much more just grateful that he was okay. Um, and by the second, but by the second day, you know, when he was going in and there was only the six guys, I think that, I think that overall I was, like I said, I was relieved he was okay. So in a way I, I, you know, I was, I would be heartbroken if he hadn't made it, but everything else was toned down a little bit just because he had already survived that accident. And then we also kind of looked at, you know, who he was up against, you know, we looked at you know, what his, what his team had done overnight and stuff like that. So honestly, going into Sunday, I was pretty confident he was going to make it. Um, so all those things combined just made it like, it, it was, it was probably like the, the, the shootout was probably less dramatic for me because of the crash the first day. If he hadn't crashed on the Saturday, I think I would have been really on, on pins and needles with the, uh, with the shootout aspect. But, uh, yeah, no, that, I mean, but you know, Put in the context of last year, that's not a weekend I, I care to repeat anytime, anytime soon. Oh, my. Yeah, but, you know, it, it's kind of, you know, James has had a, a bit of an up and down season this year. But it's, you know, it, it almost was uh, unnoticed uh, at Indy that uh, James charged from the back row up to 11th. Had a really good race, a really good run going. And, uh, you know, he kind of got buried in all the other stories with, you know, Simon Pash, you know, and, and people were kind of really pleased that, uh, you know, Pippa Man finished 16th. But uh, James had a really good 500 considering where he started. Um, but uh, but overall, his, his season this year, he's right now 10th in the points, which is, you know, not where he wants to be. Uh, but there are there are some uh, flashes of brilliance from the team. Um, Marcus got a podium. Uh, in Texas this past weekend, uh, James was having a really good race. He, um, I, I was watching the lap times towards the um, towards the closing stages there, and he was actually about four miles an hour faster. I'm thinking, oh man, Hinchcliffe could uh, he could he could get up there and challenge Newgarden, you know. But then he had another another accident there. So uh, what's uh, you know what's James's general you know, mood feeling on this season. Um, I, I know there's, uh, uh, you know, half a season to go and, um, there is reason for optimism in the team, but, uh, um, is, is he feeling, is he feeling pretty good despite having, uh, some ups and downs this year? I mean, James, <clears throat> James is a, such a con- consummate professional. I mean, he's, uh, uh, he's, he, most of the time he's just sort of like, he's, he's, he's stoically optimistic no matter what, right? He like, he's, he's very realistic about, you know, where he is and, 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 and where the team is. I mean, the bigger picture, of course, I mean, this team's, you know, this team has been working hard the last, the last two years to really start, you know, build itself up. And, you know, last year they were, they were getting a good foothold and then, you know, they had to reset a whole bunch of stuff because they lost one of their drivers to, 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 to injury. Um, but I think, I think the, the thing that's really motivating James right now, cause he is probably more optimistic um, then I, I think he normally allows himself to be cause he's, you know, he, he tries to keep things nice and nice and level, um, is that, yeah, I mean, these last, these last couple races have shown that despite either the bad luck or the, or the unfortunate errors, um, the team is really coming together. They're putting really competitive cars in the field. Um, and you know, if they had a, if they had a race with some really good luck, there's no question um, uh, they'd be on the podium. I mean, I look, you know, even, I mean, even at Texas, I mean, like, as you say, James was fighting his way up, uh, uh, that whole race. If that, if that, if that accident that took out, uh, uh, Colton and Scott had happened when James was still on the track, you know, that would have been a podium finish without breaking a sweat. So, you know, James is, uh, uh, I think, I think he's feeling pretty good about the season going forward and then, you know, subsequent next year and, 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 and that sort of thing. So I, I'm really impressed with what that, that team's been doing. I mean, even just the way they threw a car together to put it on track, um, 
after the first one crashed in qualifying uh, at the 500, right? Not to backtrack, but you know, I, they, they're they're really starting to come together as a team, and I think that's that more than anything has got James, uh, uh, you know, a little more optimistic than than he than he often is. Certainly, yeah. So now you had mentioned losing the teammate last year, and uh, that, of course, was uh, Robert Wickens, who um, family friend of, uh, of yours. Uh, he's uh, you've known him since him and James were carding together. Um, he had the the wreck at Pocono last year, um, some some rather devastating injuries, but he's been very very open on social media, kind of sharing um, his uh, his steps to recovery uh, and his um, his desire to uh, want to be able to dance. Uh, at his wedding with his new uh, new bride when they get married, so uh, um, so so you know Robbie pretty well. You got to spend some time with him in May. So uh, so how's Rob, Robbie doing overall? Is um, you know just from somebody that knows him a little closer than than I do, or our listeners do. Uh, yeah, I mean, seeing Robbie in May uh, was I mean it was it was it was inspiring. I mean, I've seen him a uh, gosh, I'm actually, I'm not even sure I've, I, I mean, I've seen him a couple times, but, uh, and I've seen, you know, Skyped with him and stuff, but, um, you know, seeing him at the track, you know, still in his element, it was the craziest thing about it was he was still Robbie. Like there was, there was, there was absolutely nothing about him, uh, aside from the fact that he was, you know, he was in a chair. Uh, uh, his attitude was, was one of just, man, I wish I was out there right now, but not in like a, you know, in, in just like a, a like a funny kind of angry way, right? Um, uh, his spirit, his spirit is just it's just indomitable. Like you know, physically, all of these guys are 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 peak, right? And mentally, obviously, they, they the, the stuff they perform uh, to do what they do on the track uh, is impressive. But you know, I mean, the the character that he's shown throughout his recovery, like it's it is, you know, I've I've seen it before. I've seen it with James. Right. James had a similar kind of kind of thing. Um, uh, uh, but no, I mean, he was he was he was himself. You know, he's really happy that he can be uh, that he can contribute to the team, you know, in this, you know, this consultation kind of role he's got now helping Marcus uh, integrate and, and get in get in line with the series and stuff. Um, so I think he really likes feeling useful. Um you know, still being kind of being part of the circus, if not necessarily uh, uh, in in the role that he that he wants. But uh, but no, hanging out with him around the track, it's 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 just like hanging out with him any other time. He's 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 remarkably uh, uh, remarkably contr- like himself um, and patient too. I, I I'm going to take this opportunity here to put out a PSA because a lot of people seem to forget. That if you see uh, uh, Robbie at the track, and he's probably going to hate me for for doing this, but uh, you know, PSA guys, um, if you are approaching and want to say hi to someone with a spinal injury, don't go give them a hug. Don't pat them on the back. <laughs> you'd be amazed. You'd be amazed how many times uh, this happens. And I mean, he's got he's remarkably patient with it. He's got you know his PA around the track is often like jumping in and smacking people's hands away because uh, there she sees she sees them reaching in to give him a hug or 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 pat him on the back and and we all just kind of scream out back injury back injury. But uh, but he I mean he just takes it all in stride. He's uh, uh, yeah he's a really impressive character. Yeah, and I, I really hope that we uh, get to see him in a car sometime in the near future. You know, whether whether we whether it be back in IndyCar or back in DTC or or or, or just doing something. But yeah, it's it's a uh, uh, his spirit is incredible. It really is, and it's inspiring. You know, it reminds me of uh, oh, say like Zanardi. You know, right. Zanardi, Zanardi who had um, you know lost both his legs, but yet that guy always has a smile on his face. He's always trying to. Uh, uh, you're trying to contribute, and, and, and you know, instead of just sit, sitting home saying "Woe is me," he's out there. So, so now you mentioned um, Marcus Erickson. Uh, that's uh, James's teammate this year, coming out of Formula One. Um, Marcus, uh, it's a it's a really good rookie class in um, IndyCar this year, um, and the the rookie class is being led by 
uh, Santino Ferrucci uh, at the moment, who's uh, the man of the moment. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk to him about it a little later. But uh, what is the relationship between um, uh, James and Marcus? How is that? Uh, how is that coming along? Because I know he was very, uh, very happy to have uh, Robbie as a teammate, who's been, um, you know, an old friend of his. So now we've got um, this other guy coming in. Are are these guys gelling? They are gelling really, really well. Um, yeah, no, I, I had the opportunity to to hang out with Marcus a bit this uh, or in 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 May as well. And uh, super, super pleasant guy, you know, very friendly, um, really easy to get along with. Um, you know, he's 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 obviously he's obviously proven himself to be, you know, a, 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 a real talent as well. So he's I think he's I think he's doing really he's doing well by the team. Um, super eager to learn. Uh, whether it's you know from from uh, the engineers and stuff, or if it's from James or from or from Robbie, um, and yeah, and he and James get along really well. Uh, we had some dinners together. Uh, everyone's 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 gelling as as a team, as teammates, you know, should as they do. They like working with each other, feeding off each other. Um, yeah, I'll be really interested to see uh, uh, where where he goes. You know, in the next in the next few years, it'll be it'll be an interesting interesting to watch his career for sure. I would keep an eye on him. Yeah, and, and then he's also he's also um, continuing to be a test driver for Alfa Romeo, right, Richard? You know a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's sort of gone under the radar a lot in the Formula One world under the last few years for somebody who. Uh, you know, done a surprising number of races for somebody who never really achieved what you'd, you'd hope um, from him. But uh, there's there's no doubt the guy is quick and uh, you know has some real potential. And hopefully, you can get really well bedded down in a in in the IndyCar teams there and and make a really really good career for himself because the the guy's undoubtedly got uh, you know real talent and real pace in there. Absolutely. So, so let's uh, let's talk about this uh, this past race of Texas. Uh, Joseph Newgarden won the race um, with Team Penske and left a lot of his fellow competitors kind of shaking their heads, saying, "How did he do that?" Because uh, they were nowhere in qualifying. They were nowhere uh, in the early part of the race. But uh, I mean, you know, chalk it up to Tim Sindrick pit strategy, who uh, pulled pulled him off strategy. And, um, he, you know, he's, uh, Joseph's out there at running laps, uh, five, six miles an hour quicker, uh, than the other guys with, uh, with fresh tires and, um, just cycled to the lead and just made the thing stick. Um, much to the frustration of, uh, say Alexander Rossi, who's, who's beginning to feel like, uh, perennial bridesmaid, uh, you know, race after race after race. But, uh, I, I think the funniest thing coming out of Texas was, um, I don't, I don't know if you heard the radio, um, the radio of uh, after uh, Newgarden's last pit stop, and he radios back to Cindric. He's like, uh, "How's this going to shake out? I think it's going to be pretty good." And then Cindric says, um, "Yeah, if you stay right where you are and we stay green, you're going to win the race." And uh, Newgarden says, "Yeah, I just want to confirm that shit." And then <laughs> Cindric says, "That shit is confirmed." <laughs> so, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, but, but but again, I was like, Newgarden, yeah, I mean, you would think, I mean, it, it's easy to kind of say, gosh, Newgarden wins again. He's he's one of the luckiest guys in the world. But uh, at the same time, yeah, you make the, your own luck, don't you? <laughs> the, the guy, the guy. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I is so likable too. It's hard to dislike him, but uh, uh, poor old Rossi again, just like an Indy, is is trying to run down a Penske car in the final laps. It can't quite get around there. Um, but uh, I, I think Rossi's got a fantastic season uh, going on. And of course, there's all this talk, all the uh, the idle rumors from the the keyboard warriors that uh, uh, you know Rossi is maybe headed to another team. Uh, at the uh, conclusion of this year, um, everybody wants to put him in a Penske car, but I really don't see any openings there. Um, the, Marty Snyder asked uh, 
Chip Ganassi, he wants to just write a check to Rossi. He goes, well, maybe I'll have to do that. So, but uh, I think Rossi's got a couple of really good races coming up here. Now, 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 Chris, uh, I, I know you know Rossi because you've been on the podcast with uh, with Rossi and James. So, um, um, what, what did you get a chance to watch the Texas race? Oh, I did. Yeah, no, I, I watched it. Uh, uh, yeah, with much much excitement. Yeah. So yeah, so uh, I, I think the. Uh, the early part of the race, it was uh, Takuma Sada was uh, was the man yeah. during practice yeah. qualifying, and then that that first pit stop was absolutely scary. Uh, he he just came in way too hot. It looks like he locked up the brakes, uh, knocked a crew member over. Um, thankfully, the guy was okay, but that that ruined that ruined his race day. And and Takuma's in the middle of a a very brilliant season for Takuma. Um, I think that he's um, really gelled with his engineers there at Ray Hall. He's uh, won exactly two more races than Graham since he's joined Ray Hall Letterman. Um, mm-hmm. Two poles, two poles this year. And he really, he really could have had that race won, uh, but it pissed away in the early stages. Uh, you know, leading, you know, opening the door for everybody else to come in there and Cindric to uh, do his brilliant pitch strategy. So, um, uh, Seth, you get a chance to watch the race. Uh, yes, I did. Okay, and what, what, what were your thoughts on Texas? Well, it was interesting to say the least. Uh, you didn't have uh, tight racing, but at the same time, the package uh, allowed for exciting racing, at least in my eyes, for some fans, not so much. I, I don't, yeah, these people that say it was boring, I'm not sure what race they watched because I thought it was pretty nail biting. Uh, um, all day sorry, night, so sorry. And, what, what's the argument that it wasn't exciting? Now, now Richard, you, uh, some fans, uh, some fans wanted to be back to uh, the pack racing yeah. that they used to do, which the old as exciting Day as that up, was, but... that was more terrifying than exciting. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think a lot of fans look at that that portion of the race where Ryan Hunter Ray looked like it was all his, and he led. Uh, of course, Ryan Hunter Ray led the most laps, and and uh, I think the fans were looking at that portion of the race and feeling it was kind of boring because it wasn't, you know, they weren't battling for the lead. But if you look back, you know, Ryan Hunter Ray led, but I don't think he ever got out more than, what, two seconds on second Some, place? Something around that. Yeah, so, I mean, so yeah. it was still and, – and, and some of that, too, is the guys just kind of settling in and just making laps until the end. Yeah, well, when it comes to IndyCar fans on, on social media, I honestly don't, <laughs> don't know. I don't know what they expect because I, I, I feel like uh, IndyCar fans just like to bitch. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> I see these races that are phenomenal, and so oh, that was boring. That was boring. That was a snoozer. I mean, I'm like, I mean, what do you want? These are the, yeah. <laughs> the you know, the, the cars are sleek. They're beautiful. You've got drivers with great personality. You've got great race action here. I understand some of the street races get a little parade-like processional at some point in time, and I understand that some people don't under, don't really appreciate the nuances of street racing, right? But when we get on an oval like Texas, for you to say that is boring. There's just something wrong with you. I don't know what you want. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what else we can do for you. Uh, we don't we don't want to go back to uh you know 1998 IRL pack racing. Um while while that was exciting, but but that that you know at, at any moment you know there could be, uh you know so. Uh, now about the herd move as Richard alluded to. Yes, uh, yes, the herd move. Richard wants it, to talk about it. it. It was a good move, and I, hear me out on this. Uh, it was more that the spotter didn't get to Dixon in time because Dixon had no idea Herder was uh, still below him going into the corner. There's a reason why Dixon didn't think Herder was below him. I, I know that. I know that. <laughs> that being said, there was the angle of attack that Herder had going into the corner there was no way he was not going to go up into Dixon. I've uh, tried making that move on iRacing, and it hasn't ended well. No. You know, you, you as soon as you dip below that white line, to my mind, that's when you're, you're like, uh-uh, you know, don't. You, you know, the white line's there for a reason. To be fair, line. to be fair, Dixon did take him all the way down there in the center of 
the backstretch. Hey, yeah, so, but he was in the lead, though. He had the lead position. He's As long as he doesn't block, which I know is uh, IndyCar's uh, hot topic and what have you, and, uh, you know, intentional contact and all that sort of stuff, you know, he, he was in front and he's allowed to dictate, you know, the line that he takes and in turn that his competitors take. I, I think that it was a little bit of an experience. You know, if that was a, a willpower or a, you know, James or anybody, you know, a more experienced driver, would they have made the same move? I doubt it. I think that as long as it was 20-odd laps to go in the race, you know, give it a bit of time. And Rossi's, uh, and Rossi's avoidance of that was just Ooh. insane. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, that was some, some brilliant driving and a stroke of luck. A stroke of luck for sure, yeah. But but again, and here's Dixon taking responsibility for that one. But this is two uncharacteristic mistakes for Dixon within three races. You know, we had the the off all by himself in Detroit one, and then this in Texas. So uh, I, I don't want to say that uh, Dixon's season is totally derailed, but he's he's lost a little ground in the championship battle. And it looks like the battle is 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 right now between. Joseph and Al- and Alex. So we'll just have to see how all that plays out. But uh, well, we need to move on um, from IndyCar because um, Christopher Formula One was in your home country, Canada, and um, now Richard. Mm-hmm. So Sebastian Vettel crossed the finish line first. Yep. But I'll let you finish. Uh, I mean, obviously the, you know, the the talk of the of the weekend is going to be. You know the, the penalty that Vettel incurred for entering or re-entering the track dangerously, or I can't remember the exact um, terminology that the FR or the stewards used. Forcing um, another competitor off of the race. Yeah, I see they didn't. Line. They did that. I mean, it probably something, something like like yeah, that. Right. Forcing Hamilton. another competitor off of the racing surface. Well, you see, he didn't. I mean, Hamilton checked up. I mean, Hamilton didn't go anywhere where he wouldn't go under a normal racing line. He obviously caused him to check up. Um, I think at the end of the day, what, what one of the takes on it is, you know, Vettel made the mistake. He he ran wide in turn three, and he enabled the stewards to make that decision. You know, if he hadn't made that mistake, the stewards wouldn't have had to make that call. So I don't think there's it's it's the decision was wrong, but they were given a decision to make. If he hadn't made the mistake, they would be not talking about it. So, so I think Richard, Richard, let me throw this at you, okay? Because yeah. we can we can argue all day about the rule and about the stewards, okay? Mm-hmm. But 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 at the end of the day, this is another mistake from Vettel, and Vettel's been quite mistake prone um, lately. Do, do you agree or you disagree? Hey, Hamilton made a mistake on Saturday, didn't they? Uh, or Friday afternoon, wasn't it? But no, I, I think that you know they, these guys are pushing. You know, it shows how hard these guys are pushing. And mistakes will happen. They're bound to happen. They're, they're inevitable at that level. Um, I think I Patel is a little bit more mistake-prone than Hamilton, especially when the pressure's on him. You saw in Germany last year. I mean, if, if uh, Patel hadn't made that mistake in the rain in Germany, he, arguably he could have won the World Championship. I mean, you know, Hamilton was gifted that race. So uh, do you think, do you think um, Sebastian is a little more mistake-prone because... Because he's running behind and he's trying to make up ground where Lewis is just comfortable. Yes. I mean, again, that's kind of my take on it. Yeah. You know, it, it's something that, again, I I, disc- I mentioned on the show till the, you know, the cows come home, as it were. You know, you, there's certain things you've got to do every weekend to, to win a race. And there's te- if there's 10 things to do, you've got to get eight of those right to even stand a chance of winning. Mercedes are getting seven or six or seven or eight of those things right every weekend, time and time again. Ferrari's maybe only getting four or five. So that then puts the pressure back on the drivers, Vettel and Leclerc. And you see they have made more mistakes. So it's, it's difficult to, 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 to go there and be relaxed and drive to the best of your ability when you're you know, having to sort of accommodate for other aspects of the team's shortcomings. Um, so... It's a team sport, and if the team are making mistakes, then it puts pressure on the driver, and the driver, excuse me, will make more mistakes. It's inevitable. Okay, now, Christopher, you, you've got a thought on this? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that really interests me about these kinds of situations is how uh, people react to the stewards making the call, right? And in this case, it seems to me that 
you know, whether it was the right call or the wrong call, it wasn't like entirely indefensible. Um, but a lot of the conversation, at least that I've been seeing around it, have to do with, you know, were the stewards really, uh, uh, were they interpreting, you know, the sort of the spirit of the rule that maybe they, you know, they, they could have possibly been correctly using um, and whether or not they need to take into account this question of, you know, is it good for the series if they make if they stick to the rules really, really firmly um, and and cause this kind of and, and cause this kind of result that like makes ever, all the fans and stuff really angry. And I just I mean, I, I'm not entirely sure what I think about it, but it's, it's, it's an angle of the question. And I'd be really interested to hear what you guys have to have to say. Thanks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a good question. It's a good, you know, it, it's an interesting way of looking at it. I mean, I think that Formula One, rightly or wrongly, sort of holds itself in very high regard. You know, it considers itself the pinnacle of motorsport, and there's a certain amount of arrogance about their attitude when it comes to that. And I think at times it's a little bit disrespectful to what the IndyCar guys are doing and what, uh, what NASCAR guys are doing, but um, they they sort of have to, you know, they have to be very black and white with it. You know, NASCAR and IndyCar, rightly and wrongly or wrongly at times, have come under criticism for some of their rulemaking decisions. So I think you've got to look at the, um, you know, you can't have grey areas in the rules in Formula 1. It has to be right or wrong. Um and I think that, you know, that is a grey area of the rules. You know, it's somebody's interpretation. Uh, they cited uh, Vettel's second steering motion, which pushed him out towards Hamilton once he rejoined the track. I, uh, I, I think there's going to be a huge amount of snap oversteer when you come off grass onto tarmac. And it's very, very hard to control. And if Vettel had turned the wheel the other way, he'd just spun and collected both cars. So... I, yeah, it's it's very it's a grey area. So how do you police grey areas? It's somebody's opinion, and if you're giving it up to some, you know, if you're allowing it up to somebody's opinion, then you've got to go with it, haven't you? Well, and that's and that's where I mean it interests me. I mean, you know, spending all these years studying like legal philosophy, legal yeah. philosophy, we talk about this stuff. You think about uh, just laws in society. We run them the same way. I mean, it's the reason we have judges in the first place. Sometimes they have to. Yeah. Look at a rule and 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 make a judgment based on the spirit of it. I think maybe that's where they went wrong. It's not that there wasn't like a technical argument for the call they made, um, but you know they you know the, but the the spirit of the rule that they were invoking isn't really for situations like that. No. Um, uh, but I guess I guess I guess yeah. I'm just I'm I'm interested in how people react to this when they bring in the whole. But you know when we're talking, you know it would have been a crappy decision if it was for a ninth, 10th place kind of battle. But the fact that it was first or second, you know, well, that makes it a horrible decision, like somehow where it happens and what that effect has on people's perception yeah. of, the, of the series. Uh, yeah, I just don't know what to make of that. Yeah, I mean, it, it obviously it was for the position that it was, you know, it's for the race win. It's, you know, going against Mercedes, who have been dominant all season. Uh, oh, sorry, going for Mercedes and against Ferrari. And everybody wants to see Ferrari being more competitive and, you know, it was great to see them competitive in in Montreal there on a circuit that would arguably would favour them. So it was, um, you know, you'd, you'd expect to see that. But um, you know, the, the psyche of the fan is, you know, fans are very fickle, aren't they? You know, you see it in IndyCar, you see it in NASCAR, you see it in every form of racing, every sport. Uh, you know, what do they expect out of this? Um, you know, somebody's got to make a decision. Um, and, yeah, yeah, I mean... You've got to draw a line somewhere. There has to be a ruling, as you say. You know, like like in any any walk of life, if you have rules there, they have to be uh, implemented, and it is typically down to a personal opinion. So, uh, yeah, I, I, it's very, it's a very, very difficult one, and I'm glad I wasn't making that decision. I think sometimes you have to, you know, in some sports, you have a a ruling is in favour of the attacking team or the attacking player or whatever it may be. You know, in, in, in racing, do you have a, you know, should the ruling be in favour of the driver that's ahead or behind or whatever? Eh, it's so difficult. It, it really is. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we can ever really answer the question. But do you... Yeah, but do but, you but... Sorry? Sorry, I was, I was going to say, but do, you, but do you ever think that the, the stewards should take into account what's going to make this, like, seem like the best form of racing? 
right? Like, oh, sh- should yeah. they ever have that bigger thought in mind? Or is that is that putting too much power or too much control? Should they only ever focus on what's the best interpretation of the incident? I think that's a very difficult uh, aspect because you're dealing with fans and fans are very fickle. Fans don't really understand the ins and outs of the sport. They don't understand the technical aspect. They don't understand the human aspect from a driver's standpoint. They just see what they see on TV. I mean, 99% of the guys that, you you know, people that watch the the races um, have never been involved with drivers, never been involved with the racing series. Probably 90% of the people that watch it on TV have never even been to a racetrack. So it's very, very difficult. You know, you, 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 you can't give them too much freedom to make a decision. You've got to be quite black and white on that. Um, you can't say, well, it's good for the sport, so we're going to let him get away with this one. But in this sort of circumstances, it's not very good for the sport, so we're going to penalise him. That's sort of, that's getting into an even worse area, in my opinion. Yeah, but what you got to wonder, though, is like, so we impose a five-second penalty, right? Yeah. Um, so, which means... So now if you're trying to keep up with the race, right, you've got to kind of watch the uh, the aggregate times and see, oh, is he five seconds ahead yeah, or six I'm seconds the- ahead? I mean, well, wouldn't it be easier to do like we might see in an you know, IndyCar and NASCAR have a stop-and-go right. penalty or a drive-through-the-pit well, penalty? Oh, the, I mean, well, I, yeah, but if I, you – but to, to the average person watching the race, when you see the um, – uh, particularly if you, if you're if you're there at the track watching the race, and oh, yeah. you don't you don't have a, a scanner or or you know because you can't honestly you you can't hear the track announcer at the race half the time, uh, you may not know what's going on. So you've got a guy who's in the lead of the race, but he's really second place because he's not five seconds ahead. Oh yes, yeah. uh, yeah. you know wouldn't it wouldn't it make more sense just from a just to make it easier on the viewer. Or just to, to, to provide the clarity to say you get a stop-and-go penalty or a drive-through-the-pit-lane penalty and, and now make up the ground from there rather than uh, let, let the poor guy watching the race on TV or in a stands try to figure out how many seconds he is back. Oh, no, for sure. But, I mean, another, uh, another way of looking at it is one of the most exciting races I remember watching ever was Suzuka in 94 when Hill and Schumacher were up against each other and um, the race had been running two segments so you know people were trying to work out who was ahead on aggregate over the course of the race that was that was great fun everybody loved watching that uh okay if you say yeah I mean I I I, I, I get get lost I get lost when people start making pit stops anyway. So I, I usually there's usually there's usually uh, ten ten laps in any given race where I'm just kind of sitting back waiting for waiting for everyone to to pit so I can figure out where everyone stands. So I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, forcing forcing drive-throughs for every for everything is your only way of penalizing people. I mean, that makes a pretty high. That's a pretty high punishment. Um, you know, for all range of 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 uh, mistakes, right? And that's that's the that's the one argument I think you you want to keep in mind against that idea certainly certainly yeah 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 um i don't know I, there, there's no easy answer i mean you know if that that incident had happened at uh, you know detroit long beach any indycar race it would just go uh, uh, yeah. you know large largely unnoticed by the stewards because there was no contact between the cars it was it would just be a little oh little little racing incident that uh, and they'd have continued so but yeah. in formula one it's we have our track limits we have this and that so um but with, oh, that, with, that, with that being said uh i guess we're we're we're, we're coming up against the clock here so we want to make sure we leave enough time for um the other racing series because um nascar was at michigan um they got rained out on sunday and then they had to they had to get a really late start on monday because they started the race at five o'clock um, due to television stuff with the uh, women's. It World also Cup. rained uh, that morning in Michigan as well. Right, right. But I, I think the five o'clock start time was due to the fact that uh, right. Fox Sports is covering the women's World Cup. It soccer. was a combination of factors. Right, right, right. So, um, so now, now, Gray, <laughs> Gray, you've been quiet, and I want to uh, bring you into the conversation. So, we saw uh, Penske. Uh, driver Joe Logano uh, win the race, and uh, let's. Uh, Gray, what are your thoughts on the Michigan race? Uh, because we've there's been some, uh, you know, more kind of grumbling about the package 
again, although I, I actually thought it was a pretty entertaining race. Uh, likewise, I thought it was a, a very entertaining race. I mean, Joey Logano uh, uh, led uh, the lion's share of it, but uh, there again, uh, it was uh, pretty tight there. Uh, some really good racing there at the beginning, and after each restart, uh, the cars kind of mixed it up. Uh, Joey just had the had the field covered. He had a good he had a good setup for uh, that particular race, and uh, of course, there was other cars that. Uh, you know, tried to make a little noise uh, throughout the race, too. Uh, Harvick's car was very good. Uh, Kurt Busch had a really good uh, had a really good day as well. And Truex, uh, you know, had a had a good car there uh, for for part of the race. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was very entertaining, very competitive. Uh, I liked what the the new package did. And it's just like what we talked about, uh, the uh, you know, the IndyCar uh, race at, at Texas, not satisfying all the fans. If, if you didn't like that, you just you just don't like racing. Uh, I thought it was a very competitive race. Especially when someone got a run in the race. Not only would they pass one or two cars, uh, Kurt Busch especially, he would go into turn three or turn four. It, it looked like he was passing about six or seven cars in one corner uh, before he essentially leveled off and dropped back in line. Yeah, you know, and it was the moves they made. It was almost, uh, to a degree, a little bit like, uh, you know, Daytona or Talladega. Uh, the draft really was in effect uh, at Michigan because they got the long back straight and the long, uh, the front straightaway and uh, where the cars can really get a lot of speed. And if you get off the corner good, you can get a really good run on the car in front of you. So, yeah, I thought uh, I thought the passing was uh, was good. Uh, and entertaining throughout the whole race. For those who say there wasn't any passing, uh, Harvick had to come from the back because of a loose wheel. Kurt Busch had to come from the back after he knocked down the wall earlier in, in the race. Uh, Brad Keselowski had to come back from mm-hmm. a pit road penalty. So I don't know where these yeah. fans are saying that there were no passing. And uh, Kyle Busch, Kyle Busch, you had a had an ill handling car for probably. Uh, seven eighths of the race, uh, you know, he 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 gradually got his car in, in into race shape and was able to make a make a run at the end there and got a came away with a with a fine uh, top five finish. Now uh, let's talk about Kurt Busch for a moment. Kurt Busch had a really good good run in Michigan, and now he's he's. Uh, He's been a little vocal about he just we don't need anything else except to win, um, and and again you know so he's he's with uh, with Ganassi now. Um, I mean, do you feel that, that that team is ready to uh, to hit the winner circle or not? I think yeah, so. I think, I, I think yeah, so too. I, 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 I was pretty impressed with uh, Kurt was right there mixing it up. Uh, yeah, and uh, and his teammate uh, Kyle Larson, he's made noises. You know, he he won the. He he won the All Star race and he's made noise uh, in, in some of the other races since that All Star race. So I think that that's another team that is that is really you know getting uh, getting their act together. And I wouldn't be surprised to see the 42 or the one uh, pick up wins during this summer swing. Now Kurt also uh, after the race in. Previous years, he would have been screaming that, you know, he didn't have a better car or that he just was uh, shy of the win. He was actually pretty happy. I mean, he was even joking uh, that he didn't expect there to be that much damage on the rear of the car from when he uh, bounced off the wall early in the race. Mm-hmm. So, he, yeah, yeah, he has a pretty good positive attitude. Uh, I want to say this week he's traveling with... Chip Ganassi over to Le Mans. Uh, he's not running, but he's entertaining the idea of possibly running next year. Uh, that that'd be fun to see. You know, and Kurt's a, he's proven himself to be a pretty versatile guy. I mean, I had a chance to meet Kurt a couple of years ago uh, when he ran at Indy, and uh, I I didn't know what to expect, but I was I, I was kind of pleasantly surprised by. Uh, uh, you know how um, you know what, what a sharp guy he is, and how pleasant, and how focused he was on just trying to you know come in and, and learn the Indy cars and come in with a little bit of a <laughs> he, he and he had a great race there. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you, like you said, he's very he's he's versatile. Uh, he can get it done in, in in multiple disciplines. Yeah, and I think too that you know we don't know where Ganassi's sports car program obviously is going uh, uh, after Le Mans because uh, Ford's going to pull the plug on the GT program. So we'll, I'm sure that uh, Chip will will stay in in some in some form because he's been a mainstay in 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 uh, in the IMSA for uh for a number of years so i'm sure he'll have some some uh something to fill the void there and we quite possibly could see kurt uh you know in a ganassi car when uh when they roll back around to the uh rolex 24 yeah has has kurt run the rolex or no Uh, he did years ago okay i I thought he had yeah probably did with when he was with the roush yeah, but that that would be neat to see, uh, you know, him stretch out and try Le Mans. We've we've got a number of IndyCar drivers. Actually, uh, um, he so you, he ran it once with Roush, uh, with Boltonatic Motorsports, and once with Penske. Okay. All right, good stuff. Good stuff. So, so we've got a weekend off in NASCAR coming up, correct? Correct. Correct. We've got a weekend off coming up in IndyCar, and then we're to Road America. And Richard, are we? And Formula One has a weekend off as well, correct? Correct, yep. Correct, because everybody is going to be in France running at Le Mans. So and celebrating uh, Father's Day, yeah. And okay. celebrating Father's Day for sure, for sure. So, uh, I mean, we could all make a pick for Le Mans, but I think you know Kobayashi and Toyota is going to win. But whoa, whoa, okay. You got a pick for Le Mans? Alonso. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Assuming he can make the race. Assuming he well, can make the race. He actually, he, he actually, <laughs> oh, not, Seth, you're bad. You're a bad man. You're a bad not, man. So. He did knock the front of the car off on the uh, end of the Mulsanne straight today. I did see that, yeah. They, they but, ran into a LMP2 car, right? Uh, I think he just ran wide in the rain. I don't think there was any... Uh, there there you know, was an accident in qualifying. Uh, I yeah, so you also didn't get that yeah, yeah, they did have some damage on the the front of the car. I saw in a, in a you know, but uh, yeah, nothing nothing serious. I don't think. All right, so we we are up against our time limit here. But before we go, um, Christopher, you have been very active on social media, uh, doing some giveaways, and you've been giving some some neat neat prizes uh, to folks. Um, I, I you know I'm not a Shame to say, my my wife won a diecast car by uh, sharing her love of literature with you, and it's a very beautiful diecast car signed by your brother, and um, and we thank you for that so much. But are you going to continue to do some more uh, some more giveaways on on your on your Facebook page and your Twitter? Yep, uh, I'll, I'll keep up with the giveaways. Um, I, I typically focus those, uh, you know, around around big races or at least races that are, uh, you know, big to me, 500 and, and, and the Toronto race. But um, I mean, I'll, I'll do them on the Facebook page. I also have a mailing list and I try to uh, do smaller giveaways on a more regular basis there. So if people are interested in coming out to the uh, the book's webpage, uh, chasingcheckersbook.com. They can uh, they can sign up uh, there, or they can they can you know just check out the Facebook page. Um, uh, uh, yeah, no, I got some more cars to give away. Uh, always 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 have some kind of swag, or I mean, or just books, right? I often just give away give away print books, ebooks, uh, uh, whatever whatever I think I can. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes to make a little test, make a little challenge. I think that's I think that's how your wife won one. Um, so yeah, it's just a little, a little fun, fun game I like to play. Yeah, what was the question? Whose podcast did you recently appear on? <laughs> that's that's. I'm mean, hold on. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna make a note of that. That's brilliant, actually. That's, that's really a good, good. One. That's a good one. I'm I'm well, I, I'm literally I'm literally taking a picture of myself right now, and I'm gonna post it, and then in in, in a few weeks, I'm gonna say what 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 what, po- what podcast was I on? Yeah. <laughs> All right, and hopefully, hopefully, a little bit of an Easter egg, fellas. There we go. There we go. Hopefully, a thousand people will get that right. So, (laughs) all right. Well, we we are out of time. I want to thank you, Gray. I want to thank you, Seth. I want to thank you, Richard. I want to thank you, Christopher, for coming back on the show. And um, hopefully, you'll come back on again soon. It's always a pleasure to talk to you again. Like I said, you're one of my favorite people to talk to. Um, I want to thank the Who Was Who Radio Network. 
I want to thank Spreaker and iHeartRadio for hosting us. And to all, to all you folks that tune in and listen to us uh, week after week, I, we appreciate you so much. Good night. Hey, what are you doing after this? After the race? Yeah. I don't know, but it feels like I'm wasting a lot of time. No, I know, I know. I'm just excited, man. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Hey, I love you. What? Nothing. Take it back. Get out. You're my best friend. You're my best friend. I'm in there with you. I gotta get going. Yeah. He didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.